Jesus know before you're seated, let Jesus know how much you love him today. You're thankful for Jesus. You can be seated. I also want to welcome all those joining us online. There's a lot of people online today. Uh, Josh Stein was one name that jumped out to me. Josh, we've been praying for you. Patrick Chitwood, the Hooblers, I love you, Phil and Barb, uh, and praying for you, continuing to believe for your healing. Uh, Bethany Sheets, Jason Hart, uh, Sean and Kara Houchin, Lauren. Uh, also, I, I love seeing, I believe it's Brittany Nickler who said you're joining us for the very first time. Today's your first time online. A lot of others, but would you welcome all of our online family and let them know how great it is to have them today? I loved, I loved seeing the pictures of the feeding uh, on the screen. It just touched my heart. Uh, that is my friend, missionary Paul Gadudu, one of the craziest names I've ever heard, but I love it. Paul Gadudu. Um, and he heard me speak uh, a couple of years ago. God connected us. He's actually two or three times now just spoken words over my life, and he will update me. They, they have hundreds and hundreds of kids, but he will update me when they don't have money to feed them anymore. He'll be like, text, Micah, and we've opened that door. Please let us know. And so just two times in the last couple of months, uh, he has said, you know, we need uh, money feeding. So just the other day, this is recent, uh, but two times we, we've signed, I think it's about $750 uh, that goes there. And, and we got two or three pages of missions that we support. Uh, and I, I don't think a church can ever go wrong believing in outreach and missions. And so... I'm very grateful, <laughs> grateful for that. I want to give a shout out, my wife, uh, Angel Faith, you'll see her at the end of service as a stage host, and so many others have been working for hours, getting ready for our harvest party. We have thousands of people show up for our harvest party, and it is a great opportunity for our church to be together, have fun, see a lot of kids smiling, invite your friends and family. And so the team is going to get you more information. You see it online. They're going to mention at the end of service, say this QR codes and stuff. Pastor Chad over here in these amazing shoes uh, is helping uh, round up people with the trunks and candy and all of these things. And people are challenging each other. Who's going to have the best trunks and the decor and design. And so if you want to be part of hosting a trunk, giving out candy, bringing some joy to people's lives. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, invite people to come. It's always a great, great time for us to be together. Uh, speaking of candy, where's all my candy lovers? Show me candy, chocolate. Um, speaking of candy, what did, the, what did the lollipop, what did the one lollipop say to the other lollipop? See you later, sucker. Uh, <laughs> that's so dumb. <laughs> so... No, it's Pastor Chad actually sent me that joke. Uh, that's true. He really did. He was looking up jokes for me this week. He sent me another one I didn't tell at nine o'clock. So I'm like, nine o'clock's not going to like this joke. But it was knock, knock. Philip. Fill up my bag with candy. Uh, I, was, I, was, I didn't tell at nine. I'm like, I can't. I just, I, he sent me a whole bunch of them. I'm like, I can't. Uh, Pastor Chad's awesome to hang out with, by the way. It's great, great to have uh, Pastors Chad and Mallory and our Ontario church family with us here in Belleville right now. And I uh, always tell Pastor Chad, he's like your tailgate pastor, kind of like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. He's awesome. If I've got to go somewhere like Pastor Chad, drive me. Like it's just, he brings so much life uh, to the room. I love the Gwinnett's. 
Speaking of candy, uh, one of my favorite candy jokes, a 10-year-old boy is sitting on a park bench, and the 10-year-old boy is eating a bunch of his trunk-or-treat candy bars. I mean, like both hands, chocolate, just as fast as he can eat them. And there's a random man that's sitting on the the bench beside him, and and the man looks over, tells the 10-year-old boy, he said, you know, eating that many chocolate bars is bad for you. And the little boy looks over and said, well, my, my grandfather lived to be 98 years old. The man replied, and he ate that much chocolate? No, said the little boy, but he did mind his own business. <laughs> that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite candy jokes. Mind your own business. <laughs> you want to live a long life? Today is Comeback Sunday, and there's a lot of things. We had such a great service at 9 o'clock, and I loved our worship again here at 1045, believing that God's Word will speak to you today. Part of Comeback Sunday uh, was a few things. I, you know, we wanted to have an opportunity, a date, a time for us all to be together as a church, and so that was part of it, Comeback Sunday. Another part was, and I will say even with us all being together today, I pulled on the property this morning and seeing a lot of our Ontario team out there, first impressions, parking cars was amazing. And then even even just some of our East Knox family and stuff that's got acclimated uh, here into our Belleville location. An update on some of that's been a great few weeks. We actually have either all of our properties, the, the leases uh, have been transitioned or the others are all in contract, which was a miracle. We weren't sure if it would take months or longer. It was a couple weeks. And so that is actually a great thing. And StorySide is going to be very blessed in, in this season with that. Another reason the word comeback stood out to me was it was our word of the year. When we pick words of the year at the beginning of the year, uh, we always pick individual words. We also pick a word for the church and we pick the word comeback for the church. Little did I know in January what comeback would even entail, what that word would mean to us, but, but that was a reason for the word comeback. And most importantly for me today in the next 30 minutes, I, I don't want to talk necessarily as much as I am excited about us being together, as, as much as I, you know, I am, I'm standing over there, Pastor Chad, and my daughters, I just happen to see out of my peripheral, both of their hands are raised, Brooklyn and Jalen, they're worshiping. And then I just look across and I see your daughter, both hands raised, worshiping. And I thought how awesome it is, honestly, ju- just to be able to be all together, to all of us, just be together, worshiping Jesus. And in this, in this season with what's going on around the world, I do think we're better together. Uh, I think we're stronger together. And, and as much as, as all of those things would be a great reason for me to say, let's talk about a comeback from that angle. I want to talk to you today about a comeback spiritually. That's what I would like to talk about, a comeback spiritually. By definition, the word comeback means to return, to regain, or to recover. To return, to regain, or recover. So as I share God's word with you today, I'm asking that you would think about it through that lens. What is it in your life that you would like to get back? Is it rest? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it purpose? What is it in your life that you would say, God, I would love for this to make a comeback in my life? 
For others, maybe it is going to be a relationship or something that you just know it's not where you would like it to be. And you would say, God, help me to make a comeback today. So let's pray. God, I thank you for putting this word on my heart. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I know that I can't say, I can't study, I can't do enough to change lives. That's, that's something I need you to do. Use my voice, speak to these people on site, online, whether it's our church family or people that are here for the first time. I pray in the next 25 or 30 minutes that your word would do what only you can do. And I want someone to make a comeback. And I know ultimately you want them to make a comeback. So use our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 15, I want to read a few verses to you out of Luke chapter 15. Verse 11 says, Then Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Give me now. Everyone notice that. Give me now. Not just give me. Give me now. The part of your property that I'm supposed to receive someday. That's not now. Someday. So the father divided, I'm intrigued by that word, he divided his wealth between his two sons a few days later. So it's quick, not weeks or months, just a few days later. The younger son gathers up all that he has, he leaves, he travels far away to another country, and there he, he wasted his money living like a fool. Other people that tell this story in the Gospels, they're, they're going to, to use words like harlots, riotous living, different translations will, will let you know some of the things that, that the son used the money on. After he spent everything he had, there was a terrible famine throughout the country. He was hungry and he needed money. So he went and got a job with one of the people who lived there. The man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He was so hungry that he wanted to eat the food the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. The son realized that he had been very foolish. He thought, all of my father's hired workers have plenty of food, but here I am. This is really important because he realizes in this moment, if you would, how did I end up here? Now, I know we're not all in pig pens in our lives. I just want you to think about a pig pen predicament. I just want you to, to visualize it. The son is in the pig pen, and he says, here am I. How, how did I end up here? I'm almost dead. I have nothing to eat. I will leave and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. Not I had a bad day. Some, sometimes we don't own our stuff, right? We want to blame other people or we want to like maybe sugarcoat it a little bit. He doesn't say it was a deficiency or a sickness. He actually has honesty and transparency. And he says, you know what? I got off track. I sinned. And I am... I'm going to tell him I've done it against God, which is most important, right? When we sin, it's against God. But I'm also going to say I've done wrong to you. I am no longer... This is where the story can almost be scary 
Because over the years, I see this happen over and over and over, that when someone is either selfish, give me, give me, or they sin. So he says, I have sinned. That this is where the story can shift, almost be scary, that Andy, shame sets in. The devil wants nothing more than for you and I to live in shame. So for the son, he's going to say, Bryce, I am not worthy. So his self-worth is shot. I'm not worthy to be your son. Now over the years, I would hear people that would say, I'm not worthy. You know, some people will say, I'm not even worthy to go to church. I've heard that before. Like, ah, I just don't know with everything I've done, everything going on, Mike, I just don't know. Some people will say, you know, I'm not even worthy to worship. That's great. You guys were all raising your hands and like, whoa, this is awesome. You know what? I can't. I can't. I, my life is so jacked up and so messed up. I can't do that. And so it may not be a literal pig pen and make me a servant, but some of you, you actually have some of those same like sin, selfishness, shame kind of things that try to get on your life. He says, I'm, this is what I'm going to tell him. I'm not worthy. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he left and went to his father. And I love this. This is my last verse. When the son was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Thank God. And felt sorry for him. And he ran. And he hugged him. I'm glad you're back. Thank you for coming back. That's what we're going to talk about today, the comeback. And then he's going to go on to give him a robe and a ring, and they're going to have a party. And he said, my son's lost, he's found. When you look at these verses we read together today, Judaism actually had a legal ceremony where they could, Dan, they could publicly and ceremonially, ceremonially, I had to say it again. I was like, left half of it out. <laughs> ceremonially. <laughs> Even when I said it, I'm like, I think there's only half a word. <laughs> Ceremonial. Like, what? Come on, Micah. <laughs> Dan was sitting down here like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> they could have this ceremony where they could cut they could cut a child off not only could they cut that child off for their family but if you study in Judaism it actually could involve even the neighbors where even the neighbors would be like we're done with you what you have done to the family what you've done to the family name we're done with you if you look at Judaism, you'd also see it was undignified for a man to run. Culturally, a man did not run. They would run only in case of emergency. And so when I think about that, I read the story even a little bit different again. Because I absolutely love that when the sun's a long way off, that the father is like... I. You know, I know what the rules are, but I got to get to my boy. I heard a professor teach one time years ago, he's a theologian, I heard him teach that in their culture, 
if you actually turned against family, turned against your parents, you could be stoned. People could throw rocks, and that ceremony included the neighbor. I've, I've heard it taught from a theologian years back that when the dad ran, the dad wanted to get to the son before the neighbors could, and part of the hugging was almost like, he's my boy, don't do anything to him. I'm glad he's back. They would only run if it was an emergency. And I love that the Bible would lead us to believe that the father was like, I've, it's an emergency. I have got to get to my child. How, how does this happen? How, how does the son even end up here? I always like to put myself into the story. When I read the Bible, the Bible would say that scriptures are given as an example or an example. I always try to put myself in the story. I would love if you would do that today. As we're, as we're reading God's word, that you would say, okay, how does this apply to me? When you look at the start of the story, you see a son, you see someone who wants what they don't have. Give me. Now, now the Bible says it's coming down the road, but I, but I want it now. I think the majority of messes that we get into in life happen when we want something we don't have. That could be financial. Why, why do people steal? Why do people cheat? Why do people rob? I want something. Sexual. Coveting. It's a word the Bible used, coveting. It, it uses words like unhealthy desires. A lot of times, maybe we're not the son, give me, give me, give me, but, it, but if we're putting ourselves in the passage I think there's times that we want what we don't have. And it causes us to do things that a lot of times gets us way off track. In his give me approach, it's not even really a desire. It's not like, Dad, what do you think? It's actually more of a demand. It's one thing to have an expectation like, I really hope one day it's something totally different to be entitled. Give me what you owe me. Give me what I deserve. And I want it now. And so he takes action or initiative to force his future. And it sounds, give me, sounds selfish. Those of you that are parents or grandparents or uncles or aunts, Maybe even a coach, you could deal with children. I think we would all have to admit, even in our own lives, that selfishness, selfishness can come early in life. You could, you could be little itty bitty. My cookie and my toy and my blankie and my... And that, that can actually stay with us our entire life. It's not, it's not just a kid that does that. We, we could say, you know, well, you know children, you know students, you know millennials, you know. But if you're not careful, selfishness can stay with you your whole life. Give me now. I wanted, 
I wanted to tell you a joke about selfishness, but I'll keep it to myself. That's the worst one ever. I've told jokes for a year. No, no, don't clap. I don't want you to clap. I don't want you to clap. I don't. I promise you when I put it in my notes, almost 10 times I took it out. I'm like, this is the worst joke I've ever tried to tell. No, you don't love it. I don't want you to love it. I don't want you to love it. Selfishness will never be satisfied. This mindset or this mentality, give me now. Give me now. I want everything now. It slips into our jobs. It slips into life and lifestyle. It slips into decisions and choices. I want it and I want it right now. And give me now can actually really sound like you owe me. When you read these again, you owe me. Give me what's coming to me. You owe me. After all I've done, you owe me. The father has a long-term plan. The son wants a short-term payout. The son seems to sense that life is going to be best alone. When I read these verses over and over, there's a whole lot of like me and my and I and... He gathers, he leaves, he travels, he spends. But in a simplistic way, it's almost like he wants to be separate from the father. So we're not talking father, son, and a kid leaving today. We're talking about the comeback and spiritually and our relationship with God. And how often you and I could take a similar approach that we don't want boundaries, we don't want accountability, we don't want responsibility, we don't want restraints or responsibility when it comes to restrictions, right? How great it is going to be to get away from dad. Those of you that are students, we had a ton of students at the nine o'clock service and I was sharing with them and I would say to the students here, sometimes we can start thinking that it's bad to have any type of parameters or boundaries. And as adults, we can do the same. Don't tell me to forgive. Don't tell me not to go there. Don't tell me not to drink in excess. Don't tell me not to live together. Don't tell, like, all kinds of stuff that we'd be like, God, don't tell me. Holy Spirit, don't tell me. Word of God, don't tell me. Just when you think about the progression of this passage and the son, how he ends up here, it starts, it starts with him not wanting to be around the father. It starts with dividing Dividing. The Bible says in verse 12, they divided. So they're together. Now they're going to be apart. There's an element of the Father and togetherness, and, and now all of that's going to be gone. They divided. And I start thinking about how the enemy loves to divide. He loves to divide your family. 
your family. Coming up soon on 32 years of pastoring or ministry, and my mind would flood with the amount of conversations of people. People will say things like, they're dead to me. You know, if you knew this person and this family member and the enemy, I, I, I know when I, when I talk, I talk a lot of times generally, and so when you're hearing it, you can hear it personally and be like, yeah, but Mikey, you don't know my story. I'm just saying in a general sense, the enemy loves to divide. He wants your family divided. He wants there to be wedges. He wants it to be pulled apart. I think when I read this verse 12, you know, give me and I, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to leave fast. It's almost like the enemy is like, I am getting this family. I'm getting this son exactly where I want him. He'll divide you in friendships. He'll divide a church. He'll divide a church. Where you could just, you could look just down your row and see preferences of how, you know, whether it's clothes or shoes, you can look down your row and see people that parent different than you. You can look down your row and see people have handled the last 18 months different than you. And that's just in your row. And the enemy would love nothing more than to divide us, to separate us. The Bible says in verse 12, they divided. He gathers, he goes, it's quick, it's just a few days, it sounds like it's hurried and rushing, almost reactionary and rash. Has he even processed it, Ashley? Has, has the son even processed? I know, give me now, give me, I'm going, like in a couple of days, I'm going, give me now. Press pause just for a second, have you even processed this? Have you even asked anyone? Have you got any counsel or advice? Have you asked yourself what this looks like two years from now? Five years from now? You know, sometimes in a moment of getting upset, mad, bitter, offended, take this job and shove it, or you're like going to leave, you know, I'm done with ministry, or done with church, or I'm, a, you know, I'm done with marriage, or family, or just pause just for a second today. Son, give me now. Do you realize how this could play out in your life? Not many days after we read. He's gone. You know, sometimes you see people, we could all do it. You and I can, we, we are all susceptible to this. You can make decisions and not even process what does this do for my kids five years from now? What's this going to look like down the road? How is this going to influence or impact their spirituality? Or... Give me. Give me now. Give me doesn't typically want advice. Give me doesn't want advice. Our culture worldwide could be full of this right now. Don't give me advice. 
Don't tell me what to do. There is no black and white. Everything's gray. Give me my way. Give me my liberties. Give me my space. Give me slack. It's formulating of my mentality. My beliefs. My rights. Micah, I have rights. My rights. My truth. I want my truth. We often don't realize what a give me mentality is going to cost us. We often underestimate where a give me mentality is going to take us. Now I know it sounds good. I don't have to listen to nobody. I don't have to have any accountability or responsibility. Give me now. I want money. All of the stuff the Bible says, riotous living, partying, it's going to be great. But then, but then, it's not always wise to get your way. If I didn't have all of the pressure, if I didn't have everyone always telling me, if I didn't have them always saying, should you do that, should you say that, should you go there, if I could just get rid of all of that, Micah, it would be awesome. But then, this fall, when you look at the start of this, I'm coming to a close, when you look at the start of this passage, Give me, give me now. I'm going fast. His fall is happening long before the famine. And his problems are beginning way before a pig pen. And then when he leaves, it's not like he goes to the next town or the next village. The Bible says he goes into a far country. It's almost like I'm going to get as far away from all of this as I can get. Finally, no boundaries, no parameters, no correction, no direction. I'm going to go far away. But distance can become dangerous. Distance can become dangerous. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to say, you know, over the years, one thing I've learned, I'm not going to ask you to shout out or confess anything. I'm just asking you to be honest with yourself. That when you distance yourself from God, His Word, prayer time, His presence, His Spirit, when you distance yourself from being connected like He designed and desired, you could distance yourself from a freedom night. You could distance yourself from a life group. You could start saying, I'm so busy and I've got so much on the go and I don't have time. You know, I'll just catch a few minutes every now and then. I'll watch it on Monday when I'm working out, Micah. I'll play a podcast and I'll catch it, you know, here and there on Facebook for a little. You know what? Sunday night, I can't take my kids to students or I can't bring my kids to kids' ministry. I don't have time. Sometimes we don't. We don't realize how dangerous distance can become. When you read all these studies that say, you know, people go to church an average of 12 times a year. Some say 17 times a year. And even as a pastor, sometimes it's difficult because I could be texting. I text some families and I could see three or four times where, where it's like, you know, okay, or maybe a thumbs up. And listen, 
I don't care if you go to the Browns game. I don't care if you go to the lake. I don't care if you, I want you to have those memories with your family. I just need to tell everyone, I want you to have those memories with your family. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I don't want to show up on your doorstep. It's not like, why is he on my case again? I just know distance can be dangerous. And if you get too separated and you get too far and you get too lax, it's very easy for you or your family to end up in a place where the devil is saying, I've got them exactly where I want them. I want your, I want your soul to be okay. Don't block me. Just tell me if you need to tell me, like, Micah, that's enough. You text three weeks ago, too. I just know distance can become dangerous. Billy Graham said this, churchgoers are like coals in a fire. When they cling together, they keep the flame aglow. When they separate, they die out. So we wrap up today. He wanted it. He wasted it. He wanted it. He wasted it. He wanted it. He wanted it. He wanted it. Then he wasted it. So here's a thought, a question for you to think about as we get ready to pray. What have you wasted? What have you wasted? It could be your monies, your potential, relationships, time, your purpose. Maybe even a more important question for you and I both today. What am I wasting right now? Verse 17 says, He ends up here. Here. I think this is one of the saddest parts of the whole story, Rick Fisher. I've read this story a lot over the years, but I think this is one of the saddest parts of the story. There was no one to feed him. Right? Remember when we read that? There was no one to feed him. Well, where's all the people from verse 12 and 13? Where's all the people when we have the money? Where's all the riotous living? Where's all the harlots? Where's the party? Where where were these people at? But then I start thinking, all the times in my life that I have seen when this begins to play out, all of the people that are like, if it was me, I wouldn't stay married to him or her. If it was me, I wouldn't give. That's a scam. It's a con. If it was me, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't serve. I... And a lot of times, all of the people from verse 12 and 13 are nowhere to be found in verse 16. And then he starts thinking, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I have wasted. I have slipped. I... It's a tough conversation to have with yourself, right? Because you're thinking, how did I end up here? How did I end up here? You can start thinking, you know, of two years ago or 10 years ago, and you start thinking, I remember this great memory. I remember Thanksgiving, Christmas, and I remember serving. I remember my prayer time. Your mind will start telling you all of that. 
Because that's what's happening. Just if you read it again, I like to read scripture slow, but if you read it again, he's in the pig pen. He's having a wake up call. How did I end up here? And he starts thinking, I know what they're eating, right? You read it, with, I know what they're eating. And you can start feeling overwhelmed because you're thinking, how did I let this happen? How did I let this happen? And we all have pig pen predicaments. For some people right now, the reason they're distant is because they got bitter. For others, their pig pen predicament, the reason they're distant, they got offended. They're mad. For other people, they had that affair, that addiction, or that whatever it is. We all have, we all have this draw or this pull if we're not careful. Ultimately, I think it's an attack of the enemy. I really do. I think a lot of times the devil is saying, if I get them busy and their schedules and sports and whatever it is, it doesn't matter why you're in the pig pen. It just matters that you know in your heart, I'm better than this. I don't want to live like this. So he comes up with the plan. I got to get out of here. At this point, he doesn't know about a robe, a ring, a fatted calf, a party. He doesn't know about any of that. He doesn't probably know about if there was a ceremony, if there was a cutoff, what the neighbors are thinking. He actually tells himself, you know what, I'm going to go home even if it means I'll just be a servant and I'll eat what they're eating. And when the Father saw him. So today as we pray, I don't know what area of your life you need to come back in. What area of your life you need to come back. But your heart's telling you right now, you know, you know. You know that you need to make a move. You say, Mike, I don't even... I don't have all the answers. Neither did he. Doesn't know how all of this is going to play out. He just makes a move today. I will arise. That's what I'm asking someone on site or online to do today. I'm just asking you to make a decision that would say, one thing I do know, I am not staying here for the rest of my life. I will arise, I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to tell Him, you know what, between God and you, I want to get right today. When I talked to Rabbi, when I talked to Rabbi, Rabbi told me that in the Mishnah, there's a very similar story. The father and son, they were separated, and they began to converse back and forth, and the father told the son, come home. And the son said, I can't. Everyone say, I can't. So what the son told him in the mission, I can't. The dad in the Mishnah wrote back, Rabbi said to the son, the dad wrote back and said, come as far as you can. Come as far as you can. What if today your mind is thinking, I don't even know how to get back. I don't even know what to do. I've let some stuff build up. I don't even know where to start, Micah. 
What if the Holy Spirit is telling someone, come as far as you can. For some, maybe that's just raising a hand to say, will you, will you pray for me today, preacher? Will you pray for me today? For others, maybe it's like, Pastor Micah, like my heart's racing, I'm having tears, and I don't know what your comeback is. I don't know what it is you need in your life. Maybe you need stirred up again, that, that fire of God, that passion. Maybe you need that stirred up again. Maybe it is that rest or joy or peace I talked about, or the relationship. I'm sure there could be a lot of things. But you know when I read the, the definitions to regain and to recover and to return, you know right now you're saying, God, it's me. I know a lot of people are hearing this message, but God, it's me. I need to come back. One thing that I love about God is just like that father, when he saw him making a move, when he saw him wiping the tear, when he saw him raising the hand, when he saw him, he ran. He ran. The Bible would say if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. As you close your eyes today, I would love nothing more. I didn't set dates and timelines. Globally, they said October is pastor appreciation. But I was thinking about this during worship today. I think the greatest gift for me for pastor appreciation is for someone who's drifted, someone who's got far away. If you'd make a comeback today, it's the greatest gift. The Bible says when you make decisions like that, all of heaven rejoices. I've been praying for you. I was praying before you ever pulled on the property. I've been praying. I started working on this message a few months ago, but, but I've been praying. Be praying that you wouldn't stay in that pig bin. I've been praying that you wouldn't stay divided or separated. Ultimately, God's heart would want to tell you, come back. Come back. Come back. I feel the Holy Spirit even as I'm saying it today. Come back. Come back to His love. Come back to His grace. Come back to His presence. With no one looking around today, I want you to think about an area of your life that you would like to see a comeback. I want you to think about what that would be. Once you have something in mind, I would love for you to raise your hand and just say, Pastor Micah, would you pray? Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it's something with a family member or friend. Maybe it is spiritually. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the room. Maybe you want to come back in your intimacy, spirituality with God. Thank you. Hands are still going up. I want to make a comeback. Hands are still going up. I want to make a comeback. For the son, he said, I've sinned, I've sinned. Maybe today part of your comeback is saying, you know what, God, I've sinned. Or maybe it is the shame, I'm not worthy. Your self-worth is shot. Don't let any of that stop you from making a move for the father today. Tell him I repent, tell him I'm sorry. Pray a prayer that matters. October 10th, 2021, the day you made a comeback. I feel the love of God at work right now. Some of you business leaders, 
mean business leaders that maybe you've lost that vision. You're, you're so tired of it right now that you're like, I am sick of it, Micah. What's going on in our society? I'm sick of it. Maybe today for you, it's just that creativity, that vision, that strength. You know you're running on empty. Make a comeback today. I don't know over the years that I've seen more strain and stresses on marriages and families than I see right now. Every week I'm getting messages. Pastor Micah, the tension. Pastor Micah, the maybe today is a day that your family, your marriage makes a comeback. But whatever it is, I envision the Father running to you right now, finding your chair, finding your prayer right now, finding someone online. It's not coincidence or chance you're hearing this. God wants to make a move. This can be a comeback day for you. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling today. I pray over every person that is praying prayers, crying tears, reaching out to you right now, saying, God, here I come. I don't know how it's going to play out, but here I come, God. I want to come back.